0: You've been around here very long, you've probably heard me use the phrase that we're listening for the sound of the divine yes, the sound of the divine yes, and that just simply means that we've taken, taken something before the Lord, could be a project, could be an idea, could be a request for direction, some sort of a directional question, we're just waiting on God's approval. Waiting for the sound of the divine yes is a hopeful position. It typically means we're hoping to hear God say yes. So we can proceed. You almost never hear anybody say, I'm waiting for the sound of the divine no, waiting for God to stop me. But how many know that just as there are times when an earthly father has to say no to his child, there are times when our heavenly father has to say no to us? How many know that's true? Raise your hand this morning. Probably one of the most profound times that Becky and I heard the sound of the divine no that I can recall, and many of you have heard the story, was when in the early part of 1978 while we were living up in the Midwest, we were asked to candidate for a music pastor position at another church on the other side of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We were extremely hopeful because we both um, had kind of grown up, though we were Midwesterners, both of us, grown up with a love for the uh, DFW area, the Metroplex. And even before we were married, we both had had a secret uh, dream within our heart that someday we would live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Everything looked promising as we candidated that weekend at the church on the other side of the Metroplex. The church was wonderful pastor and his wife were fantastic, they were very gracious to us, there was nothing to not like, it was just, it was really wonderful. But as much as we both desired to come to Texas, the sound of the divine no for us in that situation was abundantly clear. And honestly, it made no sense to us because everything looked so good, but both of us heard inwardly, this is not the situation for us, and we couldn't explain it because everything looked so good. But in our hearts, we simply knew that God was telling us that that situation was not for us, and we obeyed. And it was only three or four weeks, I think, later, something like that, that we received a call to come candidate at a church in Fort Worth called Northside Assembly of God, which today is known as Bethesda Community Church. We came for a candidating weekend, and frankly, when we came, everything looked a mess quite opposite of what we had encountered the month before as we looked at the other church everything looked a mess including the bright orange carpet that was uh, that filled this place and folks when i say bright orange carpet i want you know some of you are probably thinking rust because in the late 70s rust was a color we used a lot i want you to know and to keep up with pastor michael i have a prop this morning bright orange carpet And if I'm honest with you, this has faded over the last 40 years. It was—I called it sun-kissed orange. There's my there's my prop. So you have to tell Pastor Michael that I did good with that today. Okay, that's it. So things were a mess when we got here. There's this bright orange carpet, and we, there was a piano that was in a horrible condition, and and they had matching bright orange robes on the choir, and it was it was um it, there was it, it was a mess. Okay. But here's the problem, and there was a problem, that when we came to this place, unlike the place we'd been to the month before, within both of us, fireworks started going off inside of our heart, and it made no sense to us. In the same way that a month before, it made no sense to us when everything looked good and everything looked perfect and everything was desirable and everything was wonderful. Everything here was pretty much a mess, and yet something was going on. How do you explain that other than the spirit that lives inside? Everything looked, looked a mess, but fireworks were going on, and it was as clear a divine yes as we've ever heard in our life. The weekend of that candidacy, a prophetic word was given to us that if we would come uh, to this place and would allow ourselves to become rooted and planted in this place, that God would bring forth a ministry that was beyond our imagination at 24 years old. And all I can say is that was 40 years ago, and we are still here rooted and planted by the grace of God. God's divine no followed by His divine yes literally changed our lives. And just know this, that if you are hearing a no from God, do not think that He has ruined everything for you. Instead, He may be setting a course for you. And so in the very few minutes I have this morning, I want you to give me just a little bit of time to show you two no's in the Bible, which lead to an amazing yes, as I take you to a very familiar passage of Scripture that you've heard before in Acts chapter 16, and let's see what the Lord might have for us today. What we're going to see in this passage is that the two no's, that the apostle, and I'm not talking about this no, I'm talking about no plural okay that the no the two times that the apostle paul received from the lord before his mission's trip was a course changer for him not only for the beginning of the book of a book of acts or for missions but i would go so far as to say the very church in which you sit this morning exists because paul heard he listened to and he obeyed when god said no read with me acts chapter 16 it's Quite a little bit, I but you need to get it all. You know the story. Paul and Silas traveled uh, through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the Word in the province of Asia at that time. There's the first no. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia, but again the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. There's the second No. So instead, they went on through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia, which would be in Europe, in northern Greece, was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. Now keep in mind, Paul had to hear no twice before the yes would come. And let's read what happened to their, on their yes. Verse 11, we boarded a boat at Troas and sailed straight across to the island of Samothrace and the next day we landed in Neapolis. From there we reached Philippi, a major city of that district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. And we stayed there for several days. On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer, and we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshiped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart, and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household were baptized, and she asked us to be her guests. If you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we agreed. One day as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit. This was an evil spirit. Had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. So she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God and they they have come to tell you how to be saved. And I want to pause there for just a moment to remind us all of something that what the demon-possessed girl was saying was true. It was true. These men are servants of God and they have come to tell you how to be saved. But it reminds all of us this morning, and I think some of you specifically need to hear this, that just because someone says something true does not make it right. Be very careful about listening to someone who might say that which sounds true, but if the character and the lifestyle of the, of the person is not right, then you have a problem. Verse 18. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated. that He's talking about this girl taunting them with what she's saying over and over and over and over and over, became overbearing, obviously, to them. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her, but that's when things really go south for them. Verse 19, her master's hopes of wealth now were shattered. They're the gal that was making them so much money, now that's gone. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to the city officials. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials offered, ordered them stripped, stripped and beaten with wooden rods, and now the persecution. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure that they didn't escape. That was his job. He had to be sure that they did not escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet into the stocks to be sure they weren't going anywhere. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Can I just say, you never know who's listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Here's what happened. Foundations were shaken. Doors flew open. Chains fell off. Say it with me. Foundations Doors flew open. Chains fell off. This is Texas, folks. You've got a better one than that. Come on. Do it again. Foundations There we go. Is there a hallelujah anywhere in the house today? Point number one, God is a father, and fathers say no. Every parent in this room is accustomed to saying no to crazy requests from your children. If your children are like ours were, they would ask the same thing over and over And over and over, even if every time they asked, I said no. I I guess they somehow assumed that if they kept asking long enough, they would wear me down and I'd finally give in. You know, kids are smart. The problem was this, that when we said no to our children, here's how they took it. They took it as rejection. And here's what we need to remember with our God, church. No from God is not rejection. No is protection. No is not rejection. No is protection. Ladies, just because you matched him on ChristianMingles.com does not mean Jesus is speaking to you, all right? Just because God says no, that doesn't mean rejection. It means it's God's divine protection for your life. Now, on the other hand, please remember that Satan always says yes. Yes. What do you think the name Ouija board stands for? I learned this this week. It's a French word and a German word, both of which translate as yes. It's Satan saying, yes, yes. We and ja. It's French and German, yes, yes. It's Satan saying, yes, yes. So everything you ask of Satan, the answer will always be yes. Should I get that girl's number? Yes. Should I leave the church? Yes. Should I go to, yes, Satan never says no because Satan is not a father. But God is a father and a loving father. And when he says no, it is not for your rejection, it is for protection by God himself. So when you're walking with the Lord, sometimes you have to hear a no. You have to hear a no several times before God gives you a yes. Point number two. When God does say no, it's because He has something bigger and better in mind for your spiritual development. Something bigger and better in mind for your spiritual development. When God said no to Dan and Becky for taking a position on the other side of the Metroplex, because He knew full well that a church in Fort Worth was where He would grow us and where He would form us, where we would have and raise our children and where we would be planted, the other place had plenty of appeal and in many ways was more attractive than this place, but they didn't have orange carpet, that's for sure. But God's no to us, to the other place, was Him knowing that Fort Worth was a place which would be better for us. And in much the same way, when God was saying to Paul, no to Bithynia, no to Mysia, No to Asia. You're not going there, not going. It's because he was thinking of something else, and here's what I want you to open your minds to see this morning. It's because God had a global strategy in mind. He had a bigger picture. He had a better perspective of what was going to happen that affects us literally today where we sit. He had a global strategy, which he told them from the very beginning. You and I know that strategy. We've read it many times. It comes from Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In where? Jerusalem, throughout, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Some of your translations say to the uttermost parts of the earth. So when God said no to them, going to those other places, he was essentially saying this. um, We've got two-thirds of that. Pretty well covered. At least we've got a good start on two-thirds of that. We need to begin to work on the last part. Jerusalem was covered in Acts chapter 2. That was on the day of Pentecost. Because the strategy for Jerusalem was the infilling of the Holy Spirit. How many are thankful for it today? But he says, now, and and we've we've also covered Judea and Samaria because he was referencing Acts chapter 8. Now, if the strategy for Jerusalem was the infilling of the Holy Spirit... The strategy for uh, Judea and Samaria was persecution, God's divine strategy. Look at Acts chapter 8, verse 1. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria, verse 4. But the believers who were scattered because of the persecution preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. The first part of the strategy was, I'm going to do something in Jerusalem, and I'm going to use the Holy Spirit for that to be the case. The second part of the strategy was, you may think it's persecution, but it's going to serve to get my church to the point that it is supposed to be. Listen, church, the enemy thinks persecution will stop the church. However, persecution simply became God's mechanism for expanding the first church. And you know what? And I'm pretty sure you agree with me on this this morning. There is not a nation in the world that can stop the expansion of the church of Jesus Christ. There's not a demon in hell that can stop what Jesus is going to do. You can persecute it. You can come against it. But when God has put his mark upon his church, his people, there is nothing that can stop this mighty moving force. Our choir sings so wonderfully, reach every mountaintop, search every valley low. There's no place you cannot go. Spirit of God, he cannot be held back. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Think today of the the, the nation that has more Christians in that nation than any other nation on this planet. It's China. There are more Christians in China than there are in the United States today. And guess what? It's illegal to be a Christian in China. Their officials said, "Uh, we'll stop Christianity. We'll write a law that will stop it. And when that happened, God said, perfect, perfect. That just means that we get bigger now because nothing can stop the church of the living God. So listen, Bethesda, hear me carefully. Don't ever think that whether your candidate is in the White House or not in the White House, don't ever think that Washington, D.C. will determine the future of the church of Jesus. No need to get shook up. If the Republicans have greater gains in the Senate or get shook up, if the Democrats have control over the House of Representatives, it doesn't matter when it comes to the church. It doesn't matter who's president. It matters who's on the throne, and that's the sovereign God Almighty. (laughs) Blessed be his name. Come on, give the Lord praise today. God said, Jerusalem, Holy Spirit. Judea and Samaria, persecution. It's the last part that he's got to reach the uttermost parts of the earth or the ends of the earth. Therefore, this last part of Acts 1 8 has to be fulfilled, and that's where our text, Acts 16, comes in today. Why? Because this story of Paul and Silas in the Philippian jail, which you know so well, is the gospel going to Europe. Go look at a map this afternoon Macedonia, part of Greece. This is the gospel going to Europe. Remember, they wanted to stay in Asia. And God said, if I let you do what you want to do, then you're going to choose to stay where you're comfortable. Selah. If I let you do what you want to do, I'll choose comfort every time. Easy, the easy road, comfort, convenience. But if you listen to me, God says, and allow me to speak to you, my no will push you out of your comfort zone into what you are supposed to do according to my calling on your life. However, your obedience to the yes or the no of my direction to you will move you out of comfort and into the expansion of my church to the uttermost part of the earth. And when I do say no to you, it's because I have something bigger, I have something better, I have something grander by my perspective that I'm going to do, and it's because we're going to touch the entire planet with the gospel of Jesus Christ. God is a Father. And fathers say no. When God does say no, it's because He's got something better. However, point number three, better doesn't mean easier. I knew you'd love that part. And this is where the will of God can sometimes get confusing to us. I talk with lots of people, lots of believers. We tend to think that if it's better... Uh, and, and if it's the will of God, that everything is supposed to go fantastic. That's what we think. In fact, we, we even give it a name. We say it was a God thing. That's, that's not bad, but it's a God thing when everything goes fantastic. I don't know about you. I don't need it all to be fantastic. I just need to know God is there. That's all I need to know. And some of you in this room will know exactly what I'm talking about when I say, it is entirely possible to be perfectly in the will of God, and yet things can go south on you. Paul was on a winning streak in Europe. First person he talks to, Lydia, and her entire household get saved and baptized. We read it. Second girl, second person is the, the demon girl who gets delivered. That's when things got messed up. And you would think the whole city would applaud them that the demon girl is set free, but instead what they decide to do is they persecute Paul and Silas, and he's jailed for doing the right thing. He's jailed for doing what God wants him to do. He's jailed for living out the Scriptures by commanding that the demon leave that little girl. And church, our reality is the same. There will be times when you and I step away from comfort and the comfort and inspiration of our gathering together here in Bethesda on a Sunday morning, which we all enjoy. And you you or I will face things where it's just you and God. And in those moments, that's where we have to profoundly learn the lesson that God is always more than enough. You may feel isolated. You may feel alone in some of your decisions. I certainly do. You may feel disliked when you have to say no to some things, and the world may come against you, but the sovereign God Almighty is cheering you on. And never forget, if heaven is applauding you, then let the world say whatever they want to say. The approval of God is all that matters, and they are thrown into prison for doing the right thing, and the conditions were horrible. Paul and Silas are stripped and severely beaten with wooden rods. They're put into the inner dungeon, and their feet clamped in stocks. But at midnight, they begin to sing and pray. And the Bible tells us this. Foundations were shaken. Doors flew open, and chains fell off. So in the midst of their problems, when no one else seemed to be standing with them, they had done, they had, they had, they had, they had, they had obeyed the Word of the Lord to them. They had resisted going where God said, don't go. But in the midst of all this, they sing and pray. The foundations shook. Doors flew open and chains fell off. And here is the amazing part that I don't know that I I will ever understand. With the doors open and the chains off, they stayed. They stayed. If it had been the journey of Paul and Pastor Dan, it would have looked a little different. It would have been like this, singing and praying. I'm up for that. Foundation shake. Great. Doors open. woohoo! Chains falling off. What do you think you're supposed to do at that moment? Doesn't it seem obvious that God has provided this? It's, Bye, brothers. See you. This is our chance to get out. And that's why I wasn't on that journey with Paul. <laughs> they stayed. So follow this with me very quickly. A tough season plus an open door does not always mean you're supposed to leave. A tough season plus an open door doesn't mean you're supposed to leave necessarily. Well, these people mess me up. I just got a call from someplace else. They like me. They want me. They treat me with respect already. It must be God wanting me to go. It has to be a God thing. If you know the name Ravi Zacharias, who by the way will be back with us again this summer. Very glad for that. I think it's in the month of June. Ravi Zacharias gives us something profound when he says in his book, has Christianity failed you? He said this, think of the moment when Jesus felt furthest from God. It's when he's hanging on the cross and he cries out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And Ravi says that the point at which Christ felt furthest from God is when he was in the very center of God's will and purpose, redeeming the planet back to God the Father. Just because you don't feel it, dear one, is no indication that you're not in God's will. God's will is not predicated on how you feel. Just because it's hard, just because it's difficult, does not mean that you are out of God's will. Paul had the depth of spiritual maturity to recognize that though the circumstances were hard, who knows what I'm talking about when I say hard circumstances? Come on, who am I talking to this morning? He had the depth of spiritual maturity to recognize that though the circumstances were hard, they were still in God's will, starting a church that would spread out not only in Europe, but it would cross the pond and touch South America and North America, and including it would touch Fort Worth, Texas. That if we stay in this season when everything inside of us is screaming to get out, And, oh, dear Lord, I have been in that place, as I know many of you have. Surely this is my chance to get out. Go! The doors are open. The chains are off. Leave now that everything in you is scheming that out. I simply present to you today that sometimes God's plan is for you to stay in the tough times and stand strong because he's got a bigger picture that he's trying to fulfill. Paul somehow knew that they were starting a church there in Philippi. They had Lydia We're going to let her be in charge of the greeters. She's a seller of purple. We'll put all the greeters in purple. That will work out well. We've got the demon girl. Children's ministry, perfect children's ministry. (laughs) She can deal with Satan. She can deal with those kids. But we need a deacon, and that deacon is going to come from the very cell that we're in right now, and it's going to be the jailer who was about to kill himself when he knew he would lose his life for not keeping those prisoners in bondage. That was his job. And he loses his life if they escape. And they started shouting to him, put the sword down. He was about to die on on his own sword because he knew he would be killed because they were able to run free. And they shouted out to him, put the sword down. We're all here. We're not going anywhere. No need to kill yourself. And to that the jailer then cries out, what must I do to be saved? And Paul then leads the jailer and his family to Jesus. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and not only you will be saved, but your entire household will be saved. And you're going to be the third member of the church at Philippi. And then I love this part of it. The one who caused the wounds to Paul and Silas. If you read it, it was the same one who ministered to those wounds when Paul and Silas decided decided to stay in those circumstances. Acts 16:33. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. I love that. And then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. So Bethesda, if Paul would have left prematurely, you not only miss a church, you miss a jailer and his family. And you miss the man who caused the wounds to heal the wounds. If Paul leaves, you don't even get the book of Philippians. But Paul stayed in that moment because he knew for sure that he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but I challenge you to consider what God might do if you stay. Whatever it is that you're thinking of leaving, God might have a different plan in mind. I have submitted this before the Lord. I'll let the Holy Spirit speak to you. I am not directing toward any one individual. I would never take advantage of the pulpit to do that. I've never done that, and I pray that I never will. But I know that I'm speaking to someone today. What might God do with you and the situation if you choose to stay? Brent and Giovanna, I want you to come and help me, please. I'm about to finish. Looking forward to tonight. I don't think anyone paints a more profound picture of this moment in the Philippian jail and the man who's the head, the bishop of the church of God in Christ, Dr. Charles Blake. Bishop Blake has an imagination about this passage that I I don't think any of the rest of us would ever think of. He's unique in the way he approaches it. And he says it this way. Bishop Blake says this. He says, when Paul and Silas are in this prison and they started singing, that song rose up into the atmosphere and through the troposphere into the stratosphere. And then it went into the ionosphere. I'm going, where is that in the Bible? I don't see any of those, I don't see any of those spheres in the Bible. And then it rose up into the third heaven. And God heard their singing. And while the angels are singing Jenny Riddle's song, holy, holy, holy. Is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come? The angels surrounding the throne with the elders are singing that song. Holy, God says to the angels, stop. Be quiet. I hear a song coming from Europe. And he silenced all the angels. And he started listening to Paul and Silas. And when God heard their song, something happened. God got happy. He got happy. And when he got happy, he started tapping his foot. Because he hears a song of the redeemed coming from Europe in a jail. And he's tapping his foot. But it appears that God momentarily forgot that the earth is his footstool. Because when he did that, the earth began to tremble. And the foundation shook The doors opened up and the chains fell off. Stand to your feet, church, and let's bless the name of the Lord. Come on, lift your hands and bless Him. Bless the name of Jesus.